Hello, and welcome to another episode of Boundless Body Radio. I'm your host, Casey Ruff, and today we're releasing a bonus episode. This is my recent appearance on the Carnivorous Chats on Instagram Live. Um, I've never done an interview on Instagram Live, so it was very interesting not only to take questions from James Lehman, who is the host, but also to take questions from listeners, people who are listening into that episode. James released this episode on November 27th, 2022. You may recall James's name from a past interview that we did with him back on episode 355. He has an amazing story story of recovering his health from malnutrition on a vegan diet. We also featured him very heavily on the episode that we did with lots of other former vegans who also recovered their health and got away from vegan diets. We did that back in 372. And again, his story was featured heavily because it's such an amazing story back to health. The series is fantastic. I highly recommend that you follow his series. He puts uh, these episodes out weekly. They have... uh, basically featured a lot of our former guests that are so enthusiastic and willing to share their messages to help people understand the things that they need to know about proper human nutrition. So again, very cool format. It was a kind of a Q&A style, which I really loved. Um, this is going to be available exclusively on Spotify and also James's YouTube. He's known as the Carnivorist, so be sure to subscribe there. And since we have a wider platform and release our podcast to other platforms besides Spotify, we really wanted to make sure that we put it here so other people could access it and check it out. And without further delay, here's my recent appearance on Carnivorous Chats. Thank you for taking the time out to join me today. Absolutely. It's such an honor. Thank you. Thank you. How's things in Utah right now? Very cold. (laughs) It's been a cold uh, month of November. It it got um, a little bit colder than it normally gets around here. And so um, yeah, I've been freezing and very much appreciating my sauna. Well, I, I would... I'm going to make you jealous right now. I'm looking out my window as I, I just glance that way, and it's se- 71 degrees, beautiful sunshine. <laughs> Dude, I often that sounds I, amazing. I often tell folks when they want to come to Bermuda, try and avoid the height of summer because we get so much humidity and heat in hurricane season, Casey. Yeah. For my money, this time of year in Bermuda is top-notch. And people, we don't get a lot of tourists because, of course, there's a lot of folks in school. Kids are in school, but mm. you can come here, still swim. The ocean's warm, but the air has cooled down that much. It's just beautiful. Golfing, ocean oh. activities, fishing. It's beautiful, man. That's amazing. Um, yeah. we're, we're really fortunate. This week, actually, we're flying out on uh, Thursday to Myrtle Beach in South Carolina, so not too, too far away from you. Okay. Um, we've got some friends that we're going to visit, so hopefully it's a lot warmer um, out by you than it is around here. <laughs> I'm looking outside. It is Zero degrees Celsius, oh. 32 degrees Fahrenheit, and very um, gray and just like really flat light. So oh. Oh, very much man. missing the sun. Well, it's a pleasure to have you here, Casey. I see a lot of folks joining us. DKD Free, how you doing? Uh, how you doing? My keto offering. Thank you for joining us today. Casey, what I typically like to do is we keep it very casual here on Carnivorous Chats, man. And um, first of all, I'd like to thank you for having me on Boundless Body Radio. It, was, it meant a great deal to me. I'm a big fan of you and big fan of the show, hence me asking you on today just to chat. Um, I like to keep it very casual. Um, what we're going to do is just talk about Casey Ruff, uh, the youngster, and where you're from, how you grew up, and what what brought you to where you are now. I think for the first like 15 minutes, if you can give me sort of an escalator, not an elevator speech on everything leading up to COVID, so BC, um, because I know that event, <laughs> including that time of uh, the uh, calendar for me, was a big impactful time. So. Why don't you kick off and just tell us about Casey Ruff, where you're born, where you're raised, what it looked like with your family, and and, uh, give us a lowdown on who Casey Ruff is. 
Yeah, sure. Um, and, and really, it wasn't a huge honor to host you on our show. You're somebody who um, I followed on this space for quite a while. And, um, you know, even just using your clips from that interview on the recent one that we did that, that shared a bunch of ex-vegan stories, I think was really impactful. And I just I really love your journey and how emotional you were with that. And so, um, yeah, it was a huge honor to host you for sure. Um, so, yeah, exactly. Um, I was born in Bismarck, North Dakota, uh, much colder than here, but fortunately didn't spend too much time there. My dad took a job as a sports anchor here in Salt Lake City, Utah, um, when I was about one, one and a half. So I pretty much have, have grown up around the Utah area, the Salt Lake area. Um, you know, grew up playing different sports. My dad obviously was huge into sports as a sportscaster. I fell in love with ice hockey, but also did a bunch of cycling. And just in general, it was like really... Um, you know, into, into, you know, competition and sports and that kind of thing. So, um, I, I went to college to study architecture. I thought I wanted to be an architect. Um, as a personal trainer, we don't really count very well to 12. And so I don't know what I was thinking, wanting to be an architect where you actually have to use real math. <laughs> uh, that was never going to work for me. I can't, can't even handle counting to 12. Um, and it was one year, uh, I believe the off season of 2006, I was um, cycling quite a bit and just looking for a place to train in the off season. And I joined a local gym and started watching the personal trainers that were training there and thought that it looked like a lot of fun and very engaging. And these personal trainers were having a really good time with their clients and looked like something I would be interested in. So I went in and got the certification that I needed to get started, which I started as a personal trainer in uh, March of 2007 and have been able to make a career out of it, which has been um, really nice. Uh, my wife and I own our own company now, but but the BC Times, uh, we were working for that big corporate gym. Um, we only had one location in the Salt Lake area and still do, but there were several um, different um, locations all around the country. There was over 100 locations. Uh, my role specifically at that club eventually was to manage um, the operations on a metabolic cart. So this gym had a really cool tool. Um, available called a metabolic cart, which measures people's metabolic rates. Mm -hmm. And so most people, I think, would understand what a VO2 max test is. And they've seen, you know, maybe pictures or videos of people on a bike or a treadmill and they're running really hard and they've got a mask on that's connected to all kinds of like tubes that hooks into a machine that will then analyze respirations. And so that was kind of my baby and the thing that I was doing, um, you know, first as a personal trainer, but then also training other personal trainers on how to use the equipment and how to interpret the results. And so that's kind of where I got into. I did a lot of heart rate training. Um, obviously, as a personal trainer, we do a lot of strength training. And, and yeah, just have always had a, an interest in nutrition as well and became a, a full-time nutrition coach in 2017 as well. So that was kind of my journey into the health and fitness world. Casey, talk to me a little bit more about your time on that metabolic cart. I mean, what an interesting you know, first foray that you had there working with that. Did you find a lot of people that you were testing? Well, I guess it's kind of user bias because you were testing at a gym, correct? So did you find a lot of unhealthy folks there or find stuff oh, yeah. that maybe folks didn't know they had when you did these, this testing? It must have been really yeah. interesting. Yeah. And that's such a great point is we're talking about, you know, I started on this 15, 16 years ago. And, you know, if we're considering things like healthy user bias, these are people coming into a gym who are using this. You got to assume like this is already the top, you know, 5% of people out there who really care about their health. And yeah, we saw all kinds of crazy stuff as far as met metabolic rates um, went. In the beginning, we really didn't understand uh, 
everything that the tool could really tell us. And so back in 2007, you know, when we were measuring people's metabolic rates, let me, I, I'll back up a little bit and say there's, there's two specific kinds of tests that we were running. One was called an active assessment where it was like a VO2 max test. And so we would start somebody at a really easy pace and slowly ramp them up and ramp them up and ramp them up over the course of 15 to 20 minutes until they were exhausted and tapped out. So that, that is the test that would give us, you know, VO2 max, for example, it would tell us how many calories somebody would burn at different heart rates, which is really valuable. The other test that we would do, um, it, we would do at rest. And so somebody would come in, they would sit in a comfy chair in a dark office. They would be breathing in and out of that mask. And again, as we're calculating how much air is coming in and out of the body, we would calculate how many calories somebody would burn, not only during that 20 minute resting test, but extrapolated to 24 hours so that we could tell somebody like, Hey, you burn about 1500 calories a day. You don't really want to eat less than that. And so this is the range of calories that you want to see. You know, we were calculating at the time, like how many calories somebody might be eating with their general lifestyle. So whether they were, you know, day to day was really active. They were working at UPS, like throwing boxes around or whether they were just at an office building, how many calories they would burn with, you know, things like exercise and that kind of thing. And that's all we were really doing at the time. It wasn't much outside of the fact of saying like, okay, your metabolism is really high. You can eat a little bit more or your metabolism is a little low. You need to eat a little, a little bit less. And that's, again, that's pretty much all we were using that tool um, for in the very beginning. It wasn't until later that we started to understand that you could really manipulate those values for people and really change those things for people. Um, our, the metabolic carts that we were using took the technology one step further. A lot of machines only calculate the oxygen that somebody is breathing in and out. Our machines were not only calculating oxygen that people were bringing out, but also carbon dioxide. And the difference there is once you understand those two numbers and how they're exchanging in the body, you now not only know how many calories somebody's burning, which is, you know, somewhat important, but you're now able to understand how much fat somebody is burning versus how much carbohydrate somebody is burning. Interesting. So when somebody is burning more carbohydrate as a fuel source, they're producing more CO2 as a byproduct of that energy burn. And when somebody's burning predominantly fat as their fuel source, they're burning, they're producing less CO2. And so we could tell somebody like, maybe you came in and did a resting test and maybe your baseline resting metabolic rate was say 1800 calories. And we could also tell you that maybe 70% of those calories were burned from carbohydrates and maybe only 30% of those calories were burned from fat. And so by, by using those tools and going just a little bit deeper with people, we started to understand, you know, patterns and recognize what, what was it that was making people burn more fat? Those people seemed to lose fat more easily. They seemed to have um, more controlled moods during the day. They seemed to have better energy. Um, they seemed to not, you know, crave sugar nearly as much. Um, and on the performance side of things too, if we go back to talking about that active metabolic assessment, I think most people out there understand that you have a very finite amount of carbohydrate that your body can store. And if you've ever tried to do, you know, a longer bike ride or a longer run and you go a little bit too hard, you'll notice that your energy will be okay for a while. And then maybe an hour, two hours later, you just kind of fall off. People talk about it as like bonking or hitting the wall, which is essentially the storage form of carbohydrate that you have in your body that all of a sudden runs out because you've used it all. So if you could teach somebody how to save 
more of that carbohydrate energy and burn more of the fat energy, which we store, you know, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of, of calories of energy at any given time that we can use. We were actually able to help people perform better in, in both of those states, both resting and, um, you know, active as they were performing. So it was a really interesting tool and was really the only reason that I had to find the low carbohydrate space. I probably would have never found this space if it wasn't for using that tool. Amazing. Amazing. Thanks for that, Casey. Now, please remind me, Casey, I've, I've listened to every single episode of Boundless Body. My memory's good, but it's short. Was it around this time? So we're leading up to the events of 2020. Uh, and had you already found the carnivore diet because of the metabolic uh, test and metabolic heart and the folks that you found were, you know, prioritizing protein and fat and all that stuff? So did it come after or before? Where, when, when did you find yourself the carnivore way of eating? The carnivore way of eating for me was before the pandemic. So I started my 30-day carnivore experiment in April um, of 2019. And so that was before the pandemic. Um, I became certified as a nutrition coach in 2017. And certainly at that time in my life, I was familiar with the work of Nina Teichel's. Um, we, we had the idea that fat was not necessarily bad for you. And people got better results when you included fats, you know, a lot of plant fats like coconut oil or avocado oil, um, olives and olive oil, that kind of thing. We were certainly on board with that. Um, but it, again, using these carts and, 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 you know, trying to decipher people's metabolic rates is what really, I, I, again, it really introduced me to not only the carbohydrate space, the low carbohydrate space, excuse me, but the carnivore space, because we had people coming in that were doing things like trying ketogenic diets. They were doing things like fasting and everything that we understood at the time should have showed that those people have lowered metabolic rates. Like if somebody's fasting, we would assume that they're not eating as many calories. And this was the pattern that we noticed, you know, far, far before. If somebody was doing a diet, if you came in after having done a calorie restricted diet, let's say you were naturally burning 1800 calories and you wanted to go on a diet. So you started eating a thousand calories. Well, you would definitely lose weight because you were eating less calories than your body was burning. And that would, you know, help you lose weight for sure. But what we notice is your body would adjust to that over time. Your body would lower its own metabolic rate and burn less and less calories over time. Um, I had the privilege of, of doing this test on somebody who had just gotten eliminated, I want to say, from the Biggest Loser contestant contest back in like 2010. And sure enough, like doing a lot of workouts and eating not very many calories made her lose weight. She weighed less than when she started, but her metabolic rate was severely affected by doing that contest. There was a study they did in 2016 where they looked at the exact same thing, Biggest Loser contestants, getting their metabolic, rate, metabolic rates measured even years after doing the contest. And most of them had gone and, and, and gained most of the weight that they lost and their metabolic rates were still suppressed. And so we understood that if somebody did a calorie restricted diet, they would have a lower metabolic rate and it would be harder every subsequent time they tried to lose weight by restricting calories. But again, the difference was people were coming in fasted and they were practicing intermittent fasting and assuming that they were eating less calories because they were doing that, but their metabolic rates were not even like normal. They were higher, 300, 400, 500 calories a day, higher than the normal values that we would expect. And, and I remember one guy in particular, his, his metabolic rate should have been about 2000 calories. He was eating mostly low carbohydrate, lots of protein, lots of fat, doing fasting, eating once or twice a day. Again, his metabolic rate should have been about 2,000 calories. We measured it at about 2,600 calories. I told him, like, man, this is great, like, but you should eat at least that many calories because you don't want to have that metabolic lowering effect in you. And he was like, 
what, what do you want me to do? Like, I can't eat that many calories unless you want me to go back to eating junk. If you want me to eat like Twinkies and soda, like I can do that again. I didn't feel very good and I wasn't losing fat the way that I am now. And, and I didn't understand like, why are these people burning so many calories? Where are these calories coming from if they're not eating them? And it was that understanding, you know, that really came through also the work of Jason Fung and the obesity code and understanding that when you're doing things like fasting, when you train your body to use fat as the fuel source, you are, you are living off of your own fat. Your own fat is your breakfast and your lunch, and your dinner, and you can live off of those stored calories for a very, very long time. And actually your metabolic rate is not going to go down when you do that. It's actually going to go up. You're going to feel better. It's like, you know, whatever the saying goes, I'm going to paraphrase, like the hungry wolf gets the kill. Like that's how we should have evolved is like, if we got, you know, hungry and we also became really weak and really fatigued and we weren't able to hunt food better, there's no way we would have survived as a species to make it to this point. And so that's really what kind of drew me in and, and helped me understand what things like fasting and low carbohydrate and carnivore diets could do for people. It could literally make you burn more calories all the time. Just, just being yourself. It's amazing. That's amazing. Um, what always makes me smile is because you and I had a very similar journey in, in that we both found Dr. Baker's Rogan episode and you had the good privilege of interviewing him <laughs> and told him that you thought he, when he, you've never finished it, did you? You thought, thought he was nuts at first. <laughs> it's so funny. I was just reflecting on that. I actually, this week, I did go back and actually finish that episode nice. that I listened to probably four or five episodes or four or five years ago. It's really funny. Like going back and listening to that episode, I, I turned it off because I thought it was so egregious and, and just <laughs> insane. And you listen to it today and you're like, he didn't even say anything that was all that controversial. It's so interesting. No. Once you have this understanding of like, yeah, we, we don't need plants. They're not that great for us. You can get all the nutrients you need from meat and the best indication of health more so than maybe any other marker or blood work that you could look at is probably how good you feel. I don't even think that's all that controversial anymore. So uh, yeah, it was it was a, a great joy to interview him and talk to him, somebody who's really influenced both of our lives and both of our, you know, what we do now. And um, yeah, I, it's, it's really changed the course of my career, which I really appreciate. Thank you, Casey. I think this next quote that you, you said, it's not your own, but you, you um, also uh, paraphrase it from someone else. And it ties in nicely to about what we're going to discuss now and the events of 2020 and what happened after you worked at the gym and caused you to go out and start your own business. But you said, Knowledge is gaining, but, but wisdom is giving away. And I look at you and I, I constantly think that you are such a good person because, you know, you, you are putting all this information out there. You are doing it tirelessly and just allowing people to access it. And, and for me, it was instrumental in helping me understand our bodies. You know, you interview a vast uh, variety of people. And what prompted you to say, OK, we're going to start this Boundless Body Company and then get into podcasting? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, you know, pandemic was tough for all of us. We had cushy jobs where we were. As personal trainers, you're never really fully secure. We work on 100% commission. And so if you're not seeing clients, you're not getting paid, like literally. Um, but we had the advantage of being there for a long time. We'd worked really hard. Both my wife and I worked at the same place, and we'd worked really hard to build up our business. Um, we had a lot of people that were seeing us on a recurring basis. And so, you know, we treated them well and we always made it um, a huge priority in our careers to continue learning, continue pushing and, and be able to, to 
you know, give a very high value for what we were offering to people. So really grateful for that. When the pandemic happened, um, we were placed on unemployment. Uh, it was a time of great uncertainty. Obviously, it was for everybody out there. Um, I still to this day have really no memories of the first two weeks of the pandemic. Um, I drove home from low carbohydrate Denver in the middle of uh, March 2020, um, coming home to find out that our gym was going to be closed and we would be unemployed. And um, it was even a few days later here in Salt Lake City, we had an earthquake of all things like insane, like the world is literally ending. What is going on? <laughs> um, yeah, and I don't have much of a memory of those two weeks. Like I said, I remember watching the news and not being sure about really anything. Um, but the first thing that really kind of pulled me out is I decided to advance my um, education. I, I took the Rovero certification to become um, a, a coach for Sean Baker. Back then it was called Meet RX. Um, I did that certification so that I could kind of meet people around the world. And um, it just, I guess it became apparent to my wife and I that the world was changing uh, pretty rapidly in, in, during the pandemic. And there were habits that were changing that we didn't really know would ever come back. So for example, you know, the location of the gym that we were working at was a great location. It was the middle of a business complex with lots of people that had great jobs or were making good money. And they joined the gym and we got to sit down in front of them and we had good opportunities to have new leads. Well, that kind of stopped. People weren't driving to that business complex anymore because they were working out from home. Um, you know, people learned during the pandemic, especially those first few weeks. So like, yeah, the gym was nice and there's all kinds of different equipment and that's great. But like, you can work out at home, you can work out, uh, you know, using a very minimal amount of equipment wherever you are. Um, the gym that we were working at in our location outside of Salt Lake City, like this is the zone of the housewives of, of Salt Lake. Like you, you don't just go to a high-end gym. Like you got to get done up and gussied up. You've got to have the nice outfit. You can't just go in and gym clothes is the way it felt like for a lot of people. And all of that really changed. And so when we were trying to decide like, you know, what, what financially is going to make the most sense, do we go back to this gym with all of the rules that had kind of shifted and changed during the pandemic? Or do we maybe try to find a new way through and, you know, it was a lot of blood, sweat and tears and a lot of talks and, and, you know, trying to decide what would be best and a lot of walking around the neighborhood and discussions back and forth. But eventually we decided the best way forward would be to start a company, just the two of us and, you know, continue to train our people and be creative around that changing situation. And so Boundless Body was born in the middle of the pandemic and, you know, <laughs> We, we train people in parks and on trees and on the banister of their stairs and in their basements and, you know, all the dogs I got to know during the pandemic. Eventually, um, you know, we had a decent amount of savings, so we decided to build our basement into a private gym, which is two floors below me. And my wife, Bethany, is down there as we speak, helping people and, you know, working pe with people um, in her own way. And, yeah, that's just kind of what we decided to do. Um and, and as part of that, I, I just, I knew that podcasting was really special as, as you can relate to in your own story. It, it's, it's different. It's a way that you can learn so much amazing information and stay really current with that information more so even than like books where, you know, once an author has written something, it's done and that's what they put out in the world. But if they are changing their mind or considering new things, like that isn't necessarily reflected in that book that they've already put out. But podcasting is, is like this. It's a conversation you're having today. It's real and authentic. And it's a way that, uh, you know, I could, I could learn and stay up to date on all this stuff. And 
again, another thing that you can relate to, and probably a lot of listeners out there is like, when you find this message, it, it really grabs you. Like I call it an obsession and I, it is an obsession. Like the last time I ever listened to music in my car was years ago. Like the last time I read a book about anything other than, you know, self-development or, or diet was years ago. Like, like it, it just, it's something that really grabs you and is really special. Um, and so it was something that I always knew that I wanted to do. I didn't think that I had, you know, the voice to be able to do it. And I didn't think that I would have anything unique to share with the world. Um, but yeah, again, just a lot of blood, sweat and tears and kind of facing that has made us decide to start the podcast, which we started in uh, yeah October of 2020. Amazing. Um, I've never told you this, Casey, but you should be aware that I think you're, I think you know already that I found Scott and carnivore cast initially, and he was really instrumental in, in my healing and, and uh, through, you know, Sally Norton, his episode he did with her. Um, but shortly after I started as most folks do, do when they go, Oh my goodness. Uh, I might've been doing all of this incorrectly, especially us ex vegans. I started researching everything, going down every rabbit hole. And the very first episode of yours that I found, you're going to smile is that episode 50 with Nina Teicholz. That was the one. Talk to us a little bit about that one. That was a really emotional episode for you. I think you ended up tearing up in that when you were just introducing her, didn't you? I mean, let's let's go let's go talk about how that first you know the first couple of podcasts the the nerves you know uh, I, I'm I'm going even here just going live every week now and you know I, even before we go on it's getting up the nerve to go live and then record it and put it out there. But for you you got these incredible guests. I mean, to have Nina Teicholz as your 50th guest, unbelievable. Talk to us about that. Uh, well, thank you. If, if, if I never get anything out of the podcast besides that one little quote, all of it is worth it. All of it is worth it. We, we really wanted to share our message like, like you're doing and, and yeah, to put that message out there, if it impacts anybody out there, I'm just, thrilled. I had no idea that it would grow to be what it is today. So that's amazing. I, I really appreciate that. So thank you for the kind words. Um, you know, I, I just have to say, like when we were just getting started, we had no listens, no downloads. Um, I, you know, I, I just, I'm so grateful for the people that said yes. When I reached out, these are people that didn't ask like how many downloads we had. They didn't ask you know, what our company was about and how we were going to promote them. Like, I'll, I'll never forget the email I sent very early on to Dr. Bill Schindler and said, Hey man, like I followed your work for a long time, which was true. Would you like to be on our podcast? It's called boundless body radio. My host and I, my wife and I host it. He, he, he didn't say like how many downloads you have. He didn't say what you're following. He said, Casey, I would love to be on your podcast. That would be great. And I, I, I'm so grateful for him and for Sean Baker and for Ben Bickman and Nina Teichel's was the same. Like, like, you know, you find people's contact information. Lots of times people are busy and we understand, but we always just try to reach out and say, Hey, I, I, I followed you for a long time. I've read your book 17 times. All of my clients and my guests know about your book and you know we've used it in seminars and we've used it in all kinds of presentations can can we have an hour of your time to share your message to to talk about your content and you know i've been really very fortunate that people have said yes and have been willing to share their time and you know our podcast has grown and it's been amazing but it has to start from somewhere and it starts with people saying yes and being excited about the podcast 
Um, a lot of it has been hard learning as well. I think I told you that episode with Sean Baker that we did was nothing special. And I regret now, you know, hosting somebody in this space who we really look up to and really admire and not coming better prepared with better questions that he wasn't doing on other podcasts. And we've learned how to try to, you know, create unique shows and talk about different things that our guests don't normally talk about. But yeah, the, the, the episode with Nina was one that I was, you know, very excited for, very nervous about, um, with every guest that we have, I write up their introduction and my wife was sitting here with me and, you know, I was just in the middle of reading this introduction. It started to hit me like <laughs> I've got Nina Teichels on the phone. I've got Nina Teichels on the phone. Like this, this person changed my life, like completely changed my life. When I am working with my clients who are my family and I'm telling them to count their calories and eat lots of vegetables and prepare all these foods and it's not working and it doesn't work for anybody and it causes a lot of harm. And I'm seeing that, that people's metabolic rates are declining and somebody like Nina comes along and has done years of research to tell us that fat is not bad for you. This is why this is Ansel Keys. Here's the story behind, you know, how, how Procter and Gamble paid the American Heart Association in the 1940s. And here's how the seven country study was done. And here's why all the data from the Minnesota coronary trial was buried. Like she illuminated all of that world for me to the point that I changed what I was doing with my training and we were starting to get people great results. And yeah, halfway through the introduction, it just hit me that there she was. And I got the opportunity to talk to her and I, I got choked up. I, you know, it took me a second to really collect myself and, and keep going with, <laughs> with the introduction. I'm glad my wife was here to help me, you know, ground myself a little bit, but yeah, it was, that was a special moment for sure. Unbelievable, Casey. Um, you know, and I found the same experience. I'm just now obviously making my first foray into the, the live podcasting world. It just got up on Spotify and I'm proud of that fact. Um, as you can tell, I, I don't take myself too seriously, but what I do take is my guest time seriously. Um, I want to make sure that, you know, they get the chance to tell their own story, just like I've been given op the opportunity to do so. And thus far, Casey, the folks that I've reached out to, and, and I'll put out some of my guests upcoming in the new year, and, you know, I'm fully booked now into the new year every week. They've just said, yes, love to, um, no hesitation. And, you know, some bigger name folks who have lots of followers and, you know, are very busy, but they just said, sure, James, love to. And I, I really appreciate that. And, you know, Casey, you're very modest. I, I understand now that Boundless Body Radio is in the top 1% of all podcast downloads. Is that correct? Did I hear that right? We're very yeah. close to. Unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. Thank you're, you. near, you're near episode 400 or over now, aren't you? Yeah, we're pretty close to around 400. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, again, pandemic started. We started in October of 2020. I had extra time that I could do the episodes and it just kind of settled out that we were doing three days a week of releases and we stuck with that cadence since then. Um yeah. So according to our podcast host, which is called Buzzsprout, once you get up above 15,000 monthly downloads, it says it puts you in the top 1%. I want to say that was as of um, 2020. So I don't know how much that's changed. Um, I see how our podcast does on Chartable, I want to say, is like a little podcast thing that you know, I check in every now and again. And it says we're somewhere around the top 100 podcasts for um, fitness in the United States. Um, on Apple. So yeah, we're very grateful for that. Part of the reason why it's ranked so high is we do put out three episodes a week. And so it's not like a weekly show that gets a ton, a ton of downloads. We do have more content than that, but yeah, it's been, 
it's been a really fun journey. And we've been very fortunate to talk to the people who we have and, and create a lot of really special conversations. And, and yeah, you're right. Like, like even just the episode you did with Ryan, Ryan Talbot, you know, the, the pack 10 defending decathlon champion when it's like, dude, I, we're coming up on an hour. I, I want to be respectful of your time. He's like, what are you talking about? I love talking about this. We can go for another hour if you like. <laughs> so it is cool to meet people who are, are, also, you know, again, obsessed with this information and are really anxious to get this out to more people. Awesome. So Casey, let's, um, let's move on a little bit here about, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about your experience now and all these interviews that you've done. I, I, it's an incredible value added for your clients on the personal training and carnival coaching side, just because you are gaining so much knowledge. Um, you, I listened recently to, uh, re-listened, I should say, to a, an interview you did with Carnivore Yogi. I think she was interviewing, Sarah was interviewing you. And you talked about um, people nowadays are confusing um, average for normal. And she said common for normal. And we can talk about that and how you're finding your experience getting folks now that are metabolically unhealthy and putting them onto the carnivore way of eating and the knowledge that you have now. What, what experiences are you seeing with these, these clients that you have? Great question it's a really great question look it's if you are promoting an animal heavy diet if you're promoting a carnivore diet you are you either really know what you're talking about or you're the dumbest person on the planet because the plant-based message is so prevalent for so many different reasons and is everywhere it's everywhere it's it's direct it's indirect it's it's all over the place. It's subconscious. It's what everybody is told is the best thing for them in the planet. Um, and so I just, I think the people that are considering a carnivore diet, you've, you've had to go through um, a bit of hell to be able to see that. I don't think there's many people in the carnivore space that got here because um, they thought it was, you know, like, cool to stick it to the vegans or something. You know what I mean? Like you had to go through a certain amount of suffering and I'm, 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 I'm sure you heard this podcast. Did you hear the podcast episode with Danny Vitalis and Sally Norton recently? Yes, sir. Okay. So, so in that episode, Sally's talking about the carnivore diet and, and, you know, I've talked about this before, but Danny Vitalis, who I really respect, um, he says something like, oh, well, of course, the carnivore movement is going to be big now because, you know, the pendulum swings. And of course, all these vegans are then going to go carnivore, you know, just to, you know, go carnivore and say they're eating plants and be all extreme on this opposite side. And I'm really glad that Sally said something. She could have just let that slide and continue with the conversation. But she stopped and said, you know what? No, like these people come to this diet because they have to. They are in a journey of healing. And part of that is understanding what we talked about earlier, that plants do not want to get eaten. They, they can be actively really harmful for a lot of people. It's not just that they're neutral. It's not that they're, you know, adding some kind of benefit or nutrients or fiber or whatever you want to say, like they can be really terrible for people. And a lot of people come to this, you know, this way of eating because they're like you, they had to suffer through the standard advice until it just was too much and they had to find something different. So I'm really lucky in the fact that I don't, you know, that my job, what I'm doing, I don't need to spend a lot of time trying to convince, you know, vegans that they're idiots and they're doing things wrong. I'm not, you know, at the street corner yelling at everybody to eat animal products. People that come to me and find us, they, they do so because they want help prioritizing things and they want help to, you know, do carnivore diet the best way. Oftentimes, you know, just people need validations or they just have some questions they want to answer. 
And so we're lucky in that sense that like, I don't, I don't have to try to convince vegetarians or vegans that this is what they should do. It's more like, let me help you. If you decide you want to try this, let's see if it works. Let's give you some ideas. Let's validate a few things and just see how we go. So yeah, it's been, it's been amazing. You know, again, with all those years of thinking you were doing the right thing and giving people the advice and just thinking like, wow, all of these people really suck at this advice because it's not working. But, but you know, it, it really is really terrible advice. The standard advice that we were telling people and finding carnivore diets and getting people on the right kind of animal heavy carnivore style diet, low carbohydrate diet. It really worked wonders. People lost fat. They weren't that hungry. They had all kinds of other weird things pop up. Like my itchy elbow all of a sudden isn't itchy anymore. Or like I, I was, you know, so tired. I needed a nap every single day, or I had to eat a granola bar at 10 in the morning. Like all those things just started to slip away. And that's when we started to notice like, wow, we really found something special here. And it's, it's almost the opposite. I, I'm sure you understand the other way. It's like for all those people that you told the plant-based was going to work for, it's now you have the opposite where I, I don't find many people that animal-based or carnivore doesn't work for. It pretty much works for everybody across the board. It's pretty special. Yeah, totally agree. Casey, just as an aside, um, let's just talk quickly about, um, let me ask you, I've never asked this, is, does Bethany also eat carnivore? Is she more animal-based? How does she do? And, and are you still, what does your diet look like today on a daily basis? Yeah, sure. So, yeah, yes, she is very much carnivorous. Um, so as soon as we're done with this call, I will be pulling a brisket out of the fridge to put on the smoker. I, and I'm a brisket, like pretty good size brisket. And that is Bethany's food for a week. <laughs> that uh, I'll taste it and, and make sure it's really good, but I cut it up for her and that's her meals. Like she'll have, I'm, I'm not joking, like a giant bowl of brisket with eggs, however she likes, or whatever other proteins we have laying around. And she'll just feast on that every night when she's done with work. It's really amazing. Bethany, um, Bethany has a really interesting story um, with, with her own health. She struggled with an eating disorder when she was um, a teenager. And so she comes from a very restricted background. And you know, I, I think all of us know the fitness industry can be really tough. Most of us, you know, probably have some kind of complex where we think about how we look a little bit too much or, you know, we're wondering what we're kind of putting out there. And, and so I was, I was nervous initially when we first started kind of an animal heavy diet because Bethany has a very tight window of things that she can eat that don't cause her um, difficulty and distress um, you know, she was not only struggling with the eating disorder, but also was celiac. And, um, you know, it, again, just you're eating all these foods and fiber and she just has always struggled with how she's felt and her digestion and all of that over the years. And so I was really quite nervous when we started to do a carnivore diet because I didn't want her to feel restricted. And it's been the absolute best thing ever. And the more people I talk to that have similar things that they struggle with, they all kind of say the same thing. Like, yeah, this looks a little bit restrictive if you're looking in from the outside, but eating a pound and a half or two pounds of brisket until you're absolutely stuffed is actually not that restrictive. And feeling like your digestive system works well is really not that restrictive. All the other stuff is. So it's been, it's been wonderful for her as well. So she's very much a car very much a carnivore. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not uber, uber strict. I'm fortunate enough that, you know, I, I got into carnivore because it helped me feel optimal. I didn't 
come to carnivore because I have a health condition or anything that I suffer through. Um, so I can be a little bit more liberal with things. So I do coffee every morning. Uh, my coffee will always have salt. It has butter and it has MCT oil. Um, I, I still like those. I think it's a net positive. It helps me have really good brain energy early in the morning when I start work. That's something I played with kept keeping in and taking out. And I just noticed it doesn't really affect me negatively. So I've kept it in. Um, I did OMAD for a long time. So one meal a day. And that was normally at the end of my day when, you know, all my work was done. I've, I've, I've seen all my clients and I would say very similar to what Ryan and, and you talked about on your last episode, you know, doing one meal a day, doing, you know, kind of, kind of, uh, you know, fasting is a wonderful tool and it can be taken a little bit too far. Yes. And so yeah. it was about this time last year that I started to notice what I can now recognize as a lowered metabolic rate. There were all the signs and symptoms that went along with the testing that I was doing on that metabolic heart where, you know, I already know somebody's metabolism is low. If they're feeling like they're cold, if they're feeling like their hands and feet are cold, if they, um, you know, if they're, they're getting hungrier, if their energy is just a little bit low, if they're moody, I just notice they're not getting enough calories. And I think over time, that is definitely something that happened to me. And so I benefited from adding a second meal in. So typically speaking, I will eat my first meal after coffee sometime around noon, one, two, just whatever window I get. Um, that will be a bunch of eggs. So typically about eight to 12 eggs. Um, I'll do more than that on the weekends when I can scramble them up and whatever the texture does on scrambled eggs, I can usually eat more. So I'll eat 16, 17 eggs on the weekend. And then I'll have about a pound, pound and a half of, of meat around five or six. Um, and it's just whatever meat that we have kind of laying around and whatever sounds good. So that's where my diet is today. Um, I feel pretty comfortable with that as of now. And so not really looking to change anything or seek a different outcome than what I'm getting. It's more just kind of maintain at this point. Um, how I'm, I'm going to be podcast host here for a second and ask you how, how has your diet changed over time and what things do you eat in a day? Um, yeah, excellent question, Casey, as always. Um, I see our cameras lagging a little bit, but the audio is still good as long as you can hear me. Can you hear me well? Yep. Yeah. So, you know, initially, as we know from our dear friend, Sally, what we learned over time was that, you know, if you go off, cut everything and go carnivore too quickly, coming from a plant-based vegan background, it can be, it can be pretty dangerous. So, um, I had to, I went sort of from keto to carnivore to strict carnivore and then realized I started dumping oxalates and got all the oxalate dumping symptoms. And then I've more recently added fruit uh, back into my diet and uh, added some berries and local bananas if I can get them or organic bananas. Um, I do add dairy. So my day kind of starts out with um, now burgers and bacon. Um, and then for lunch, I'll have some uh, more meat and maybe some more bacon. I just a small meal at lunch. Um, I have some kefir in the morning as well, I forgot to mention. And then in the evening, I still have my my meats, my steaks, some chicken. And um, then I have the carbs, sort of the dessert, you know, type stuff with the, the fruit and the whipping cream, heavy whipping cream for dessert. And I find it works really well um, for me, for my digestion, at least adding the fruits back in and a little bit of carbohydrates before bed. So that's my typical day. And for both nice. For those folks that follow me here, I take pictures. I, I, I stay committed. It keeps me honest. And I take pictures of my meals every day and post them in my stories. So that's how it works for me. That's amazing. Yeah, I love that. And I, frankly, I think that is the absolute right way to do fruit. I think a lot of people are not consuming fruit seasonally. They're not consuming fruit that is available near them. Um, it's funny. I 
now that I'm um, now that it's football season, I'm watching a little bit more football. I'm a huge fan of the University of Utah, which is about 20 miles away from here. And so, um, you know, I'm, I don't normally watch a lot of TV, but now I'm watching, you know, a little bit more and I see commercials. And there was a commercial for a local grocery store that's very much plant based. And as you know, sometimes they put eggs on sale. So that's really the only reason that I go to this particular store. Um Every now and again, they'll just mark down like a bunch of eggs that are going to go bad the next day for like a dollar a dozen for like really good pasteurized eggs. The, the poor employees look at me like I'm nuts because I'll grab a cart and just fill it with all of these dozens of eggs and buy like whatever they have available. I'll cash them out. It's great. Um, but as I walk in the store, it says farm fresh produce. Okay. And this commercial is advertising the same thing. Like we work with local farmers to give you the best fruits and vegetables and produce that's grown locally. It's sourced locally. And we're putting it in the store so that you can come and, and buy it, which is really great. It's all sustainable and whatever. And you walk into the store and you see limes and not local bananas and papaya and mangoes and star fruit and jaca fruit, whatever. Uh, yeah, I ate that when I lived in Brazil. Those things were crazy big. Anyway, you're seeing all these fruits and produce that's like, no, this absolutely did not come from Salt Lake City. I can tell you that. It didn't come from this time. It, it These are foods that are ripe at different times of the year in different parts of the planet. Most people don't realize that when they go and buy an apple at the store, it's already over a year old. It's been picked over a year ago on average. People don't understand that. And so, yeah, I think, I think if you're doing what you're doing and having some, some fruit here and there that is available to you and is closer to you and you're really active. Another thing that I noticed with fruit in particular is when it is available around me. So we're talking like a week or two or three at like the end of August, early September, a few trees in my neighborhood will grow peaches. And last summer I would, you know, if a peach fell on the ground, I would pick it up. I would eat it be really tasty. And the, the problem that I was experiencing was when I was having fruit in isolation, I was getting super hungry afterwards. So I would eat it, go train another client 20 minutes later. And like my t stomach is growling at like 11 in the morning when I'm not normally hungry. And so I think it's really smart to do what you're doing is to eat it as a dessert after your meal, eat it with some protein, eat it with some fat. Cream would be a wonderful option so that at least if you're concerned about that blood sugar curve, you're at least flattening that out and you're not becoming super, super hungry because that was, that was making my day very miserable. I would say when I would get so hungry just from eating a simple piece of fruit in the neighborhood. So yeah, that's it, Casey, exactly why I did it. Also because having that little bit of carbohydrate um, and, and, you know, sort of the fruit before bed stopped a lot of the, um, symptoms of muscle cramps at night I was getting with the transition. So it really helped. And again, God bless her. Sally was the one said, Hey, hey you got to get some stuff back in your diet because you're yeah. coming. And I'm not sure if you saw Sally's interview, speaking of Sally with Dr. Chafee, she, I did. she so eloquently, and we're going to tie this into something else right now talked about at the end of that interview. And it was at the very end, and I was disappointed because I didn't get to hear Dr. Chafee's response, but told, you know, she was asked about, is there, is there dogma in the carnivore way of eating? And, and should people just be all doing, you know, no fruits, no, none of this, no plant-based stuff? And then she said, hey, hey, listen, we're all coming from our tale of our journey 
And our dietary tales, especially, are all different. And we, if, this is so nuanced, isn't it? I mean, as I talked about in your podcast, I'm a prime example. I hear other folks um, coming from the vegan way of eating, which is so dogmatic in, in its essence. Um, you know, people need to, like we always talk about, Casey, sort of experiment for themselves, find out what works, what doesn't. I found out this is working really well for me. Um, I feel great. You, the same way, you know, you can, you're sort of metabolically flexible, albeit we're sort of, you know, I would say 95% animal based, but you found that you can add certain things. You can enjoy those things and, and use them for your body, correct? Y yes. Um, yes, <laughs> definitely. And it's funny that you bring that up. I, we are all very different. Mm -hmm. um, that said, I also believe that we're very much the same in a lot of ways. So yeah. if you're if you're in the animal based world, you might not do something exactly the same way that some expert in this field that you're following is doing it. But you're probably doing 98% of the same thing anyway. Like if you're at least focusing on getting a decent amount of animal products in your diet, then yeah, you can be pretty flexible with, you know, that other percent of foods um, that you're including. And, and I agree with you. I think experimenting for yourself and seeing what works and what doesn't is really good. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm just going to come right out and say, I don't know what the right answer to this is, whether like when you become more strict on a carnivore diet, do you either become more sensitive to plant foods that they affect you more? Or is it like, because you're eliminating all these plant foods, could it be possible that you're less resilient to plant foods? And again, I'm not sure what the answer to that question is, um, but Thanksgiving was a great example. So we had Thanksgiving here in the States a few days ago. Um, before I went to dinner um, with my family, I ate a dozen eggs cooked in a bunch of butter. So that was delicious. So by the time the meal came around, I wasn't super hungry. Um, but I, it's, it's Thanksgiving, right? And so I had my turkey. I also had, I would say, I don't know, half a cup, three quarters of a cup of sweet potatoes. I had maybe a cup of stuffing. I put um, the gravy on top of it. Typically, I don't do poorly with that kind of thing. And certainly that was part of my diet before I went full carnivore. Um, and I was fine, but I will say this, this tooth was killing me for 24 hours. Like I've had a feeling there. I used to have tooth pain there, just kind of low level, you know, normal tooth pain that people talk about, but it was quite painful for 24 hours after eating those potatoes. And again, I don't know, like, should I include more plant foods? So I'm, you know, not, experiencing tons of pain when I include them? Or is this just what happens when you become more sensitive? Did the oxalate in those potatoes really have an effect in a place where I wasn't expecting? And I don't know the answer to that question. Um, I kind of think it is more that, you know, once you get plant foods out of the diet, I think they do impact you a little bit more, but I can't prove that. But yeah, I thought that was really interesting. And definitely like with the people that I coach and, 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 you know, you know, this as well, the cool part about a carnivore diet for a lot of people is it is very much self-correcting. Like when you start feeling very good eating a lot of animal foods, you're naturally going to notice that there are less times that you don't want to feel really good. And, and my wife just gave an amazing example of this. I told you we're going to South Carolina on a trip this week. And, you know, the people that we're going to be staying with are not following a carnivore diet. And so we've been trying to prepare them and just say, like, look, this is how, you know, we eat. And this is the things we're going to do. We'll shop for ourselves. and We'll cook for ourselves. So please don't. You don't need to worry about us. But this is what we do. And my wife had an amazing way of saying it. It made a really good point. Like, I really want to enjoy this trip. I'm visiting my dear friends. We don't get to see them very often. 
I don't want to spend my time visiting you feeling terrible. I, I want to feel really good and I feel good when I eat carnivore. And I, th- I thought that was a wonderful way of explaining it. It's not, again, a restrictive thing to only eat animal products when you just feel great. Why would you not want to feel great? Why would you want to feel terrible eating cake on your birthday? It's your birthday. Like, go have a steak and feel great. You know what I mean? So that's kind of how we manage that. And yeah, people need to experience and, and really play with what works for them. But but the home base for most people should be very much the same and doesn't need to be you know very dogmatic, I think. 100% agree, Casey. Well said. Well said. Casey, as we start to sort of wind down a little bit, um, you know, going back to your podcasting, I wanted to ask you, through your listening and learning from the incredible folks that you've interviewed over the last few years, what are sort of your top lessons learned or the, those couple of shining moments that you just went, um, this is unbelievable what this person just said. Um, I, I know one of them you mentioned recently, which ties into what we were just saying, is that you realize that plant-based is a scam. You know, it's, it's just, <laughs> we, we talked about that recently, but yeah, tell me some other moments for you that were really impactful. You would ask me that, wouldn't you? That's a crazy, <laughs> hard question to answer. I, I bet it is. I'm sorry. Even, even if there's one that comes to mind. You would ask me that. Um, <laughs> no, it, it, it has been amazing. I think, I think learning early on that there's no rules. There's no one way of doing this. Like I can interview whoever I want. I can publish whatever I want. People can listen or not. I don't care. Like if you don't like the show, don't listen. And so, you know, I, I've been able to obviously talk to a lot of the top researchers and doctors and people in this field that we follow. And I love learning from them again, Ben Bickman, Nina Teicholz, Dr. Schindler, um, Dr. Ovedia, Dr. Chafee. Like it's, it's amazing to, talk to them and understand the sacrifices that they all had to go through to learn what they needed to learn. Um, I've also really enjoyed, um, I guess, talking to people who are not the top researchers in the space, but have incredibly powerful stories. You, you have an incredibly powerful story. Um, we've talked to several people that have returned from vegetarian or vegan diets to find the carnivore diet and have, you know, improved their health and they have a message to share. And I learned, I learned early on that like, yeah, we can, interview some of these top people, but they're doing several podcasts every single day. They might not be excited as, you know, David Scott, who he's not a household name, but he's, he does carnivore. He puts out a blog, which is amazing. He helps his family. He, he, he kicks his kids ass in rugby every week as like a 50 year old, like dudes kicking out. Like it's so cool to host those as well and share those stories of people that are just excited and whether, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of people are going to listen to that episode or not is not under my control, but it's going to help some people. And so, yeah, you know, we also, we also decided, decided very early on that we wanted to talk about carnivore diets. It's obviously a big part of our business, but it's not the only part we, you know, we work with people to get them out of pain, you know, by working on their tissue, we do plotties, we do personal training and strength training. And so there's a lot in the health and fitness space that we can cover. And we wanted to be very general with the people that we talk to. And so, you know, whether it was specifically about health or fitness or not, um, one, one story that, that really sticks out to me was interviewing Derek Para, who, um, who works at the same speed skating oval down the street, 15 minutes from my house that he won gold in, in 2002. And he shared the story of 
um, literally flying over to Japan in 98, getting cut the night before he thought he was going to race in his event because of a technicality. So you, you train for four years to go to the Olympics only to find out you can't even compete. He sticks with the sport for another four years and, and talks about like how hard his training was and visualizing every single stride in his event. He had timed down, laying down in bed. He would hit his stopwatch with his eyes closed to hit his exact split times to a 10th of a second. And he would often be crying after he would do that. And hearing those kinds of stories, you know, not only, not only just talking about, again, the health and fitness and sharing the carnivore message, but hearing people that have come through incredible challenges and have earned the right to, you know, do things that are really difficult and can be an inspiration to other people, I think is a big part of what I've taken out of that and what really, um, you know, I get a lot of inspiration out of. So I think all of those things have been really enriching. Awesome. Um, just so you know, Casey, one of my favorite episodes ever that you did, um, when I went back after finding the Nina Teicholz episode, I, as I do, I go back to the very beginning, listen from the beginning forward, was the one you did with your grandparents. And I'll leave it at that. Uh, <laughs> that thank you. That one with the poem, I, I just tell folks to go, just go listen to that episode. Such a powerful memento for you and your family, man. That was an, an amazing episode. Amazing. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. That really means a lot. Um, let's talk quickly, Casey, because I want to make sure, you know, again, I reiterate to folks that Casey is doing this all on his own dime and time. All these episodes that he's putting out there. He does have um, an area where you can a Patreon page. Talk to us a little bit about your Patreon stuff, Casey, because it is amazing. What you've done is you've condensed, especially now, uh, you know, we did with the vegan that you put out there. Thank you for that. But you have episodes where you've taken, say someone wants to search about protein or fat, that you've taken all these, um, you know, quotes from the various physicians and experts in the space and combined them into long form. And so people can just search about protein, fat, carbohydrates. Is that correct? Is that what you've done? A lot of that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, thank you for asking. Yes. Um, I, you know, I, I try to whiteboard and journal things, you know, as the years go by and I had this idea in 2022 that I wanted to create some kind of content. I didn't know what that looked like, whether that was going to be, you know, some video course or a, a you know, book or whatever. I, I didn't know exactly, but I wanted to create something. Um, and I think I've learned through, you know, running the business and doing the podcast that, you really need to be like resourceful and use the resources that you have around you. And we've had the podcast and we've got hours and hours and hours of content that we've done, you know, again, 300, 400 episodes. And it, it got to be to where like, yeah, if you ask for an episode about protein, I can send you three, I can send you five, I can send you another 20 that maybe that wasn't the main topic of the podcast, but we have really good nuggets of information with different contexts, maybe for endurance athletes, or maybe it's protein for men versus women or different angles of the same conversation. And so to be able to kind of address those two things, I came up with the idea of, of creating yeah, longer episodes that took the best kind of clips from all the, the episodes we did and trying to find like a, a nice, you know, kind of storyline through explaining through the different clips and then, you know, me kind of jumping in at different points to explain the context, set things up, talk about the next clip that was coming on, how they tie things together, adding my, you know, stupid personal opinions about, about things here and there. Um, and so, yeah, we, we decided to try a subscription model. We're doing that on Patreon for right now. I don't know if it's going to continue to live there or not. Um, the cool thing is that the episodes that we make there, well, they, they exist and they can always be 
you know, shared in a different way, or they can go on a different platform. We can always just put them on our website. So we're still just kind of playing around with ideas there, but for now, yeah, it's a, a subscription model on Patreon and, you know, people can access those. And the cool part about that is we can always add more over time. And so, you know, talking about different forms of strength training or the structure of the foot or, um, you know, any other topic that we want to create, we can just go through, you know, the episodes that we've done in the past and gather those clips, re-edit them, tie them all together um, in a way that hopefully presents a lot of information that is in a concise way for people so they can learn everything they need and nothing they really don't about a particular topic. So that's been a lot of fun. Um, frankly, it helps me become a better podcast host because when you're fine tooth combing through all the stuff you've done in the past and the number of times you said, um, and, and the things you've goofed up in different episodes, like it helps you become a better podcast host. So I appreciate it for that. But yeah, we want to, we want to really help educate people who want to take, who want to take their knowledge to the next level and really kind of educate themselves on that kind of thing. So that was our goal. Um, and yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Awesome. And that ties into my last question before I have some fun questions and we end out Casey is, you also have another um, uh, podcast um, show called How to Make a Podcast Podcast, um, <laughs> which I have delved into, too, because as you see, I'm trying to do my own stuff here now. It's invaluable. And talk to us a little bit about that. Why did you start that and, and you know, what, it, what, it, what goes on on that channel or should folks look for? Yeah, that's funny. Um, so, so we've already talked about Scott Mazinski and he was the one that helped me get my podcast started because when I was starting my podcast you know, there's information out there and it's YouTube videos and you can do your own research, but it's kind of, to me, it felt like really scattered. And I intake most of my information in podcast form. I, I don't have a ton of time to read books or watch videos. It's easier for me to multitask things, you know, as I'm transitioning between clients on drives or out on walks or riding my bike. And so I, I couldn't find anything that explained the process of podcasting in podcast form. So I, I looked, I, it, it's one of those things too, that like with, with boundless body, I thought about it for months. I was really thoughtful about it. I, I, I played with different ideas. I invited specific people. I thought about my formatting. This was an idea that came to me on a Friday night when I wasn't thinking about it within 30 seconds, I had the name and it was done and I knew what I wanted to do. It's just one of those weird things. And so you know, with, with the, how to make a podcast podcast, I just interview other content creators and podcast creators to see what their process is like. And, you know, it's been really fun. One of the last episodes I did was with, um, Alyssa Grubner. I'm not sure if you're familiar with her, but she is the host of the carnivore stories podcast. And, you know, she, she records on zoom with these headphones for free. She edits everything herself. She just puts it out there. Like you're doing here on Instagram and like, I want more people to know that you can do this. You don't need a ton of equipment. You don't need a ton of know-how. You don't have to be a, you know, content creator, producer, make something, like create something, put it out there. You're absolutely able to do that for very low cost or free. And you have a voice to share. You have a message. It's important to the rest of us to hear. Like I want people to know that that is okay for them to do. And so, yeah, it's just a fun little side project that I have and, Again, how, yeah, we'll, we'll keep it going for as long as people find it valuable. And it's just, for me, if nothing else, it's fun to have a conversation and learn from other podcasters that there's different ways to do things. And, and I really love and appreciate that. No, it's a tremendous resource, Casey. I listened to every episode there too. And when I first started going, you know, looking at what I was going to do for myself here, you know, you talk about get in where you fit in. And um, 
I was just taking the best of what I thought was, you know, for me from what you were doing and, and, and definitely used it, man. So thanks. Thanks again for that. Of course. So, so my friend, I'm going to ask a couple of really fun questions here before we end out. And then at the very end, I'll ask where folks can find you and, and everyone. Thank you for joining today. I really appreciate it. I see a lot of folks joined us. Uh, make sure you follow Casey here on Instagram and then I'll let him give you all the deets where he can, um, where you can find him after that. But a couple of quick uh, rapid fire questions, Casey. I think we may have already answered, but I'm going to ask you already. Favorite cut of meat and the way to eat it? Ooh, ground beef. Mm. I'm going to say I just bought a quarter cow from yeah. a rancher locally. I've always done ground beef in a cast iron, cooked in butter, but I've recently started doing them more on the Traeger smoker and they've been coming out outstanding. So I'm going to go with that. Yeah, they're very good. Nice. Favorite place to eat out as an animal-based carnivore? No contest, Rodizio. Oh, nice. I've never heard of that. What is that? Rodizio. So um, Rodizio is a name in Portuguese for Brazilian steakhouse. Oh, got you. Okay, yes. Yeah. So I lived um, I lived for two years in the southern part of Brazil where they have incredible beef. Um, and they've got amazing cuisine, very simple, not a lot of spices. Um, and, and yeah, just a really, you know, a lot of rice and beans, but a lot of vegetable, uh, a small amount of vegetables, but a lot of like really good quality meat. And so um, if we go anywhere out to eat around here, we'll go there. And those poor guys, man, we don't even touch the salad bar. And they're like a little bit appalled by how much like bleeding red meat they bring us. And we don't stop. We go hard in the paint for about an hour. It's pretty great. Did you see that reel I made of the um, Foga de Chow, the bear skipping the line? Did you ever see yes. that one? Yes, that, that's that, exactly right. That That is me. And I tell you, when I go into that place, those guys are scared because I just go keep my wife, who was on a minute ago, joined our conversation. will tell you, I will go sit down there and I will just keep them coming. Keep them coming. Keep them. They go, the bartenders and whoever's serving us is like, are you serious? Oh yeah, man. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, what's your favorite cut? Mine. Um, I love, I, oh, this is a tough one. This is a tough one. I'm going to say probably we're talking about that. The picana. I love the picana. Yeah, so I good. really do. I love the fat cap on it. And I like the fact that you got the lean with the fat cap. It's really yep. nice. And I cook them quite often, but yeah. Nice. This, this is a little deeper question, Casey. Uh, where do you want to be in five years time? What do you want to be doing? You want to still be doing this stuff? Where, where do you see yourself five years? I thought you might ask me this question. I've heard you ask Ryan this question. Yes, sir. I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a planner. I'm not a future person. My tendency is to have anxiety about the near future. Um, if I eat carnivore, my anxiety goes way, way down. So that's a, a good reason for me to stay on carnivore, but I, you know, I'm not a planner and I could never have expected five years ago that I would be sitting here running a business, <laughs> making a website, starting a podcast, like doing accounting. Like I, I would have never assumed that I would be doing those things. And one thing I can say that I'm grateful for is I'm pretty good adapting to different situations. And so, yeah, in five years, I would hope that we're continuing to share this message um, I hope I'm continuing to work on the things that I can control and providing as high of a value as I can to, you know, my people, my clients, listeners of the podcast. And outside of that, you know, I'm, I'm perfectly content to let that unfold the way that it needs to unfold. If it's more pandemics or zombie apocalypses that we need to go through or whatever it takes, that's totally fine. Um, but yeah, I, I think, I think eating in this way and living in this way has allowed me to be more present and appreciate the moments as they come. And I, yeah, I, I guess I would hope that I would continue to appreciate that, whatever that looks like in five years. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you for that, Casey. Really easy ones next. Your favorite book. That's actually maybe tough. <laughs> <laughs> the Untethered Soul. Oh, yes. Yes, sir. No question. Favorite, favorite musician. 
Ooh, Jason Mraz. Okay, interesting. And I think I know the answer to this one, but I could be wrong. Favorite movie? The Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> the Shawshank Redemption. My brother from another mother. It's it's just, it's so good. It holds up after all this time and the message is incredible. And I think all the time, get busy living or get busy dying. What a fantastic way to end this show, Casey. Where can people find you and where can they connect with their, your work, as you'd like to say? <laughs> well, thank you so very much for this opportunity. It really is such a joy to chat with you. I'm so grateful for you and the message you're putting out. But more than that, I'm, I'm really grateful for our friendship. Um, a lot of people don't see how many messages you and I share back and forth and, you know, talking about things and strategizing different things and how much you've helped me. Um, I just, I, I'm really grateful for you and for your message and for everything that you're doing and sharing. I just, I, I, I really appreciate that. The easiest place to find us and connect with us is Boundless, I'm sorry, my website, which is myboundlessbody.com. Um, there, one of the first things you'll see is a book now button, and that will take you to a screen where you can book a complimentary 30 minute session with us. Um, we get people from all over the world who book sessions with us who want to talk about different things. Tomorrow, I'm talking to somebody in my neighborhood who booked a spot. And the next day, I'm talking to somebody in Germany who apparently found us and, and booked a spot. So that's open for anybody. We, we leave that time open to discuss whatever people want to, whether it's diet, exercise, other lifestyle factors that you and I love to talk about, like, you know, grounding and sun exposure and cold, so cold exposure and all that kind of stuff. We're, we're open books and we love to just kind of help people um, make sense of, you know, what they need to prioritize to be feeling their best. So anybody can do that. And that's on the website, which again is myboundlessbody.com. Awesome, Casey. Casey, and it gives me, you know, I'm, I really appreciate you saying that. And, you know, I consider you a really good friend now. Um, I really want to thank you for all that you're doing. And I see Tony, the primal coach there saying, thank you for all you do, fellas. Tony, thank uh, you for all you share. Um, we, we're so grateful. I speak on everyone's behalf here, Casey, and for all the folks out there that get a chance to listen to Bottomless Body Radio, you're doing a tremendous service and you're doing it all, you know, just as I said, on your own dime, your own time and putting information out there. And we can't thank you and Bethany enough. I know Bethany in her own right has her own coaching business and you, you know, you, you just deserve everything that is coming your way and it's nothing but good things, sir, you and your wife. And I want to take this moment just to wish you all the very best of the season and a very, very prosperous new year, because I don't know if we'll get a chance to talk in person again. I'm sure we'll talk on messages, but thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Casey, for all that you do. And, and please be, be well. I, I will. Thank you to you and your wife as well. Love you guys and your work. And thank you so much for hosting me today. This was a lot of fun. Awesome. And for those folks that we're just going to end out now, don't forget next week we'll be live again. And we've got Josie, the ex plant eater coming on. So great. Look, look out for that. Work. Yeah. And this episode, all things being equal, will be up right after this live here on Instagram. And then I'm going to convert it and stick it up on the YouTube channel. And then once again on my um, Spotify podcast. So thanks again, Casey. Take care, my friend. Thank you so much. Bye now. We'll see you. So thank you again for listening to this bonus episode of my appearance on Carnivorous Chats Instagram Live with James Lehman. Like we said in the introduction, he is doing amazing work and really wants to get his message out. So be sure to go to Instagram. You can find him at The Carnivorous. Be sure you follow him there. Be sure to follow his show, which is fantastic, which you can find in audio format on Spotify, also under Carnivorous Chats. And then he also has a YouTube, um, The Carnivorous. So be sure to follow him and subscribe to him there. If you haven't already, leave him and leave us a review. We really appreciate seeing those and collecting feedback from you. And thanks again, as always, for supporting Boundless Body Radio.